You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. We're going to be talking about the prophetic today. And um, on our Wednesday nights, we have been doing these cycles of um, teachings. So we do three weeks of a specific topic. And we just got out of mercy, which I love. And now we're on the topic of the prophetic. So on... Um, Wednesday, we were talking about a little bit. I'm going to briefly share a little bit of what I talked about on Wednesday, um, which I think is okay because a lot of people who are here was not there Wednesday. Um, And then I'm just going to go into the overall theme of what I feel like God's speaking to to us specifically today. So um, on Wednesday, I was talking about David. And I'm just going to briefly, I'm going to read some Bible, but I'm, but I'm just going to um, paraphrase what we talked about on Wednesday and then get into the topic of today with some Bible. So we talked about the story of David, and um, shout out to me. Let's have a conversation. What, what do you know about the, David? What do you know about his life? Yeah. Man after God's own heart. Um, where did he start out at? Shepherd boy, raise your hand to me if you never have read the story of David. All right, okay. So, cool, cool, cool. So, David was a shepherd boy. He was, um, it was his job to take care of the sheep and the cattle and all of that. That's what he did. Um, in his family, he was... He was the outcast. He, his, he had a different mother than all of his other brothers. His brothers were warriors, and he was a shepherd boy. I think it's interesting that, the, that it's, they, it says shepherd boy, too, because when with these stories, I want to talk about the attack of identity that's on our lives from the enemy and how we can do like that song says today. We can put the things of the enemy under our feet. Um, we, can, we can be overcomers, as Jesus says we are. And um, with that, the attack of our identity, the attack of identity always speaks to our destiny. When Jesus, when Jesus speaks over us, speaks to us, when he gives us words about who we are, it's a direct reflection um, or um, direction towards our destiny. And every time he speaks, he's speaking identity because it's who he is. A lot of the times he doesn't even address sin. He doesn't even address behaviors, but he goes straight to the heart. And he addresses the identity because that's where the sin starts at. And so it's interesting to me that it says shepherd boy because 
How many of you know that it's not the attack? The attack on our identity doesn't start when we step, the day we step into the call and take the job. The attack on our identity starts back when we're, we're young, when we're little. The enemy is going for the, the children of God to, um, to take their eyes off of who God says they are and make their eyes go on what people say they are. And if we can say that people qualify us, then people will disqualify us. And so when the word of the Lord is spoken over us, it's final. Who he says about you is final. And if God qualifies you, no man can disqualify you. Okay, so David was the shepherd boy. His brothers were warriors. But the prophet came to town. I'm trying to paraphrase this because, you know, I heard people didn't, didn't know about David. So the, the prophet came to town, and he had a word from the Lord that someone in the, in, in the house of David was, was going to be anointed to be king. And so the prophet came, and all the brothers stood out. But they didn't even bother to call David in because he was that disqualified already by man. They didn't even consider David to be the one that, that the prophet would anoint to be king. At the time, Saul was king. And although he was appointed by God, he was, not living, he, was, he was living godless. And so God was going to appoint a man after his own heart to be king. And so as the prophet was looking at the setup of brothers, he even looked at them and thought to himself, these look like kings. These look like warriors. Because back in that time, kings just didn't sit on a throne and make decisions and make other people fight them. Back in that time, kings led the charge. Kings fought in battle. They were warriors. And so um, he looked at these people and thought, these look like kings. But the spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, I do not look at what man looks like. I look at the heart. There's another. And so he said, who else is left? Call him in. And they're like, well, David's in the field with the sheep. So they called David in, and God said, that's the one. So he anoints David, and then David's sent back out to the fields. And his brothers go to war. So the story of David, Goliath. Goliath is taunting the people of God. And Saul does not know what to do because he is scared. <laughs> and David's still the shepherd boy. And so he goes to take his brother's food out on the battlefield because there's a standstill happening because the people of God are so afraid because Goliath the giant's out on the field and they're saying, hey, we don't even have to fight a war. We, don't, we won't kill everybody. We won't lose all of our people. Let's just have one man-to-man fight. And whoever wins will take the land. Whoever wins will take charge here. If your God's so strong, you could do it, right? And they're mocking the God they're mocking David's God. And David comes up. Now, here's what I want to point out of this, and then I'm going to move forward. If David would have took on the identity of a shepherd boy, he would have went as a shepherd boy bringing food to warriors. And he would have sat back and he would have said, oh, what's the king going to do here? What, how's the king going to handle this? But you know what he started doing? He started thinking, I heard a word from the Lord. This is how powerful the prophetic is. I am supposed to be king, so there's two things that I think is funny to think about that he could have been thinking. One, I haven't died. I haven't became king yet, so if I really think that this is a word from the Lord, I don't have to fear death. (laughs) 
I haven't become king yet. Listen, there, there, there's an order of things to become king. You have to be in the line of the family or you have to marry in. There had to be a supernatural intervention for David to become king. There had to be faith applied to this word of the Lord, okay? So he, I believe he went on the battlefield not thinking as a shepherd boy, waiting on the king to do something, but he came with the mentality of a king saying, what would I do as king? What would I do if someone was taunting my God as they're doing? And, and he started asking people, asking around in the camp, What's the, what is the reward for the person who beats Goliath? And they said, Saul's daughter. He had a word from the Lord that he was going to be king. There has to be a supernatural intervention for him to become king. He's a shepherd boy. How could a shepherd boy marry into the king's house? This was the moment. He could have took on the identity, I'm a shepherd boy. I'm not a warrior. I'm a boy. And all these men, all these warriors out here are shaking, scared to death. But I heard a word from the Lord over my life. And so this is my way in. This is what God's doing. This is a divine appointment for my life. This isn't, just, this isn't just an attack of the enemy where I cower, but this is an opposition where I get a face and fight with my word from the Lord. And so he stood with his word from the Lord, and he went out there, and he defeated Goliath. And he even says, when he, before he kills Goliath, he says that, you know, he looks like a shepherd boy, but he's standing on what, who God says he is. And, wow, he, he goes, here's one thing I want to point out of that story of David, and then we're going to move forward. He got the word from the Lord, went back to the, to, to the field. Sometimes, if we look at the prophetic, and we just give it all a standard way of, 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 stewarding it if there's always just a standard way of I get the prophetic and I'm going to shelf this word and just wait and see what happens like it's like a crystal ball type of situation where there's this sovereign road that we take and nothing can change it but if we look at if we look at the prophetic like for David as this doorway into divine destinies that we can choose to take because he could have changed the whole destiny of a kingdom if he wouldn't have taken the word of the Lord for what it was. It doesn't say that God spoke to David and then he went and, and approached Saul. He took what he heard from the Lord and he acted on it. And so I think sometimes when we're in a prophetic culture, we, can, we get a lot of words. We get a lot of prophetic prophecies and promises and directions and identity words. And, the, and there's a lot of, there is a lot of um, opportunities for people to get it wrong. One time me and my husband were at a service somewhere, some unnamed place. <laughs> And someone said, hey, you want to be an astronaut, don't you? <laughs> we, were, we, were young in, we were young in all of it, and we were excited because we were feeling the presence of God at that place. And, and so we went up for prayer, and this is what this guy said. He was like, you, you look like you want to be an astronaut, don't you? And he was like, no. <laughs> Do I look astronaut-y? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and um, so there are, that's like, there are astronaut words that maybe you can shelf. Words that, what I mean by that, are words that are not on your radar at all. Really prophetic words from our community are to confirm the words that we're already hearing from the Lord. We shouldn't be going to our community to get a fresh word. Our community helps to confirm what God is already saying us. He's the one with the fresh word. And so if I were to think that every word that anybody gives me, I just need to like, it's my divine destiny to be an astronaut, you know? Our community confirms the words that God already gives us. But here's, here's the but, because there's a lot of buts and ands with the kingdom principles. Every time I think I got him figured out, he like proves me wrong <laughs> in the best way. And if he continues to keep getting astronaut words, maybe that's something we put a little attention into. Because that's random, right? If he continues to go to church to church, people to people, and they keep saying, do you want to be an astronaut? It's the weirdest thing. But I'm, I'm saying that because it's outlandish. But sometimes we get these words. It's like, I don't really feel aligned with that in any way. It's kind of like out there. Sometimes down the road, we don't know what life holds. And so if we're continuing, I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing out a little bit of something to offer you as you continue to steward the prophetic in your own lives. There's those outlandish words. You can shelf those. But if you continue to hear the same outlandish words, maybe put a little attention to it with the Holy Spirit. But I think sometimes we, we can get the, the enemy will even use those things to distract us so that we'll put all of our eggs in this one basket. Who's my spouse going to be? You know, and I'm just going, I'm obsessed with it. When God's saying, I have a fresh word from you, and like that's not even on the radar right now. Am I making sense? Going with me? So, so there's that part of it. There are words to shelf. I'm not saying don't shelf any words. What I'm saying is when the Lord has, is speaking a direction over our lives and it's confirmed through the word of God, through prophetic community, what if shelving it is a part of us what if shelving it will keep us from actually stepping into the moment? What if this word, and it's confirmed by community, it's confirmed, and, and it becomes, what if the prophetic could become this doorway into a, a destiny for our lives, and it can change the trajectory of our lives? And I believe that that's how powerful a word from the Lord can be for each of us. So on Wednesday nights, I had people just think back on the words of the Lords that they've gotten. Because a lot of times in my life, I have shelved things with my idea that if it's from the Lord, it'll happen. But I believe, like David, there are some words about our identity that are speaking to our destiny. And we'll be sent back to the field where we thought, oh, well, it must not have been God because I haven't become king yet. But really, the field was training ground for us to, um, for us to start soaking in the identity and receiving that identity from the Lord so that when opposition came, we would be ready to fight with our word. And it wouldn't be like, well, now 
opposition has come, so the word must not be true. What I believe was on the heart of the Father for today, with that in mind, Your behavior has not disqualified you from the words of the Lord over your life. It might disqualify you with man. There might be messes to clean up. There might be work to do with the Holy Spirit. There might be schooling that needs to be done. There might be a new path that you need to take. There might be relationships you need to let go of. But behavior does not disqualify the word of the Lord over your life. We're going to turn here to Did I not get the verse? You see, I want the verse here. All right, we're going to turn to Matthew 16. I think we're going to go to 1613. Okay. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, (laughs) Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So people are believing that he's a prophet. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Peter, through supernatural wisdom, saw that Jesus was the Messiah. And then in that closeness, in that, Jesus spoke a word over Peter's life. His name was Simon. And the word, and the new name Peter that was given to him meant rock. And God was establishing him as a rock who would build the church, as a pastor, who would take care of the community, who would, who would build and edify the church as Jesus left. He was, he was entrusting the church, the bride, with Peter.
This blows my mind. This is the power of when God, when God speaks identity over us, when he calls us, when he speaks divine destiny over us. This, remember, your identity, what Jesus calls you, is speaking directly to your destiny in the earth. It's on purpose. It's not, not just the names that were called by God is not just to get our attention, although it does. But what he calls speaks directly to your calling. What he calls me speaks to what I'm called to. He spoke this over Peter knowing the future. Knowing they're sitting around um, later in the chapters, they're sitting around with Jesus and he starts talking about, he starts talking about betrayal. He starts talking about Peter denying him. And of course we know what Peter says. Peter says, it won't be me. I won't be the, who's going to deny you? It won't be me. Who's going to betray you? It won't be me, not I, not the rock, not the one who will build your church. Because, you know, I'm the one who realized you were the Messiah. It won't be me because I know you. I recognized you. It won't be me. And what does Jesus says? Before I tell you this, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Let's look at that. Um, I screenshotted these without my actual... Matthew 16. God for Google. So Matthew 26, verse 69. It says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, So, okay, let me set the scene. Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying for the church. Jesus is talking to the father he knows that his time is coming the roman soldiers are on their way he he goes out the roman soldiers come to take him the disciples scatter they're gone they're scattered they're afraid because if jesus is captured the one who's supposed to be the savior the one who's supposed to set everybody free he's now he's captured They haven't been told point blank that I'm actually going to die on a cross here. It's all been in parables. It's all been so that they will know when it comes what God was saying. So at this point, they're freaked out. They're stabbing people. Like it cuts off somebody's ear. They scatter. They leave Jesus. And then they're all hiding around away from, they don't want to be recognized as a Jesus follower because they don't know what that means for their lives, for their families. And so he's like hiding away, but there's a crowd of people. And it says in verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And as a servant girl came up to him and and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not, I do not know what you mean. (laughs) And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, 
this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I, I, I love, it's interesting to me that these are like, these are young girls who are servants. And he's terrified for even these people who probably don't have a lot of say of what's going to happen. He's terrified. I'm not even going to let a little servant girl know that I'm affiliated with Jesus. I do not know what you mean. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. He swears, I don't know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and Peter and said to Peter, certainly too, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. So he's acting out of character. He's like, his, his, his fear is what's driving him to like, let me lack act outlandish so I look like I have no part of this holy man, you know? And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I'll say again, our behavior does not disqualify us. It does not disqualify us from the word of the Lord that's over our lives. Jesus knew that moment was going to happen. And think of the humility of the Savior to know that his friend, the one that he's appointing to lead the church, would be too embarrassed to tell a servant girl that he even knew him. But yet... He saw the divine destiny over Peter's life. And that was the most important thing. Peter goes on to preach the gospel radically. Preach the gospel to a crowd of people after this moment. And people come to know the Lord. And it's like the starting off point of his ministry the starting off point of him stepping into that identity, the rock who builds the church. It was like one of the most powerful, greatest altar call moments of all time when Peter stood and for the first time could proclaim that the Messiah had come. He started building the church after his worst moment. After his worst moment of failure and shame and guilt, but yet there was a word of the Lord over his life. And although we would like to use those words from the Lord when, the, when those moments come in opposition to fight the lies in our head, to fight the fear in our head so that we don't make the mistakes, it's just that sometimes we do make the mistake. Sometimes we do. We fail. Sometimes we do, but God does not disqualify us. How merciful <laughs> is the Savior? And I, I just really felt like this morning that that was a word of the Lord for somebody specifically. That your behavior has not disqualified you. That man has tried to disqualify you with the mistakes of your life, but God has not changed his mind about you.
Will you guys stand with me this morning? I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to our hearts some identity over us, some confirming words over us. Just thank you, Holy Spirit, for for speaking to each son and each daughter right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the prophetic words over our lives from the Lord, he calls us the beloved. And it speaks to our divine destiny to be loved and to love as the bride. So in this moment, we invite you, Holy Spirit, We invite you, Holy Spirit. We accept the invitation to be loved by you in this moment as you speak identity over us in your love. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to pull up, to call out the divine destiny of our lives as you speak identity over us in this moment. The divine destiny to be love, to be loved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're confirming your word over us, that we are who you say we are. That we are who you say we are. May your voice be the greatest word that we ever receive. May your direction be the greatest confirmation. I'm just hearing the statement. I believe that it's from the Lord, and I'm hearing you... Will you fight? Will you fight with your words? Will you fight with these words? Will you fight with these words? Will you stand firm and allow these words to be your weapon? Will you stand firm and allow your identity to be your shield? Will you stand firm and allow your identity to be your weapon? Will you allow my word over you to be your weapon? Will you stand firm with me? So I thank you right now, Jesus, that every form of opposition, that every plan of the enemy, that every strategic move that he's making to silence your voice, to silence and and, and change our mind about what you've said over us. God, I thank you that right now we're positioning you as Lord and we're positioning everything that he has to say under our feet. 
Right now, we stand in the identity that you've spoken over us, and we position the lies and the identity of our old names, of our old behaviors, of the past mistakes, and we position those things under our feet. God, will you teach us how to dance on disappointment today? Will you teach us how to dance on the plans of the enemy, on the lies of the enemy? Will you teach us how to dance again? What if, what if fighting looked like dancing? What if fighting looked like dancing? What if fighting looked like praise? The enemy is under my feet. The enemy is under my feet. So darkness, get out of my way. The enemy is under my feet. The enemy is under my feet. So darkness, get out of my way. The enemy is under my feet. The enemy is under my feet, so darkness, get out of my way. Come on, sing that over your children. The enemy is under my feet, the enemy is under my feet, so darkness, get out of my way. It's bigger than you, it's bigger than you. The enemy is under my feet. The enemy is under my feet. So darkness, get out of... Come on, bride of Christ, let's sing the enemy is under our feet. The enemy is under our feet. The enemy is under our feet. So darkness, get out of... The enemy is under our feet. The enemy is under our feet. So darkness, get out of our way. Yeah, what if these, what if these, these moments where he's dropping those names in your heart of what he calls you is exactly what we need for the enemy to get out of our way? What if these moments, if we just would grab hold of them and not just take them as, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you say that, but this and that. What if we took a hold of those things as if they were a doorway into our divine destiny? That he says, I am a child of God, so I have the authority of my Father in all that I do, in all that I say. So I, I, I just bless you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're teaching us how to position the things of the enemy under our feet and they'll no longer distract us anymore. That you're teaching us how to position the past under our feet and it'll no longer distract us anymore. That you're teaching us 
how to fight by dancing. I love you, Jesus. I bless each one. I bless each heart and all that you made them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.